Hello, this is Donna Reish of Character Inc. Press and Raising Kids with Character Parenting Seminar and Blog. I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Wondering Wednesday, a podcast devoted to answering questions about homeschooling, parenting, marriage, teaching language arts, and much more. Today, I'm going to tackle a question that was just posed to me recently, so this is hot off the press. A lot of times, I have, I already have uh, workshops and seminars um, sessions dedicated to the topics that I talk about because um, we have our Raising Kids with Character Parenting Seminar, and then we also have about 50-plus um, workshops that we do um, for homeschoolers and in parenting settings and so forth. Um, But this one is one that I haven't gotten to talk about a lot, so I'm super excited about that. Um, But it is something that we know a little bit about, and that is uh, dating, question mark, courtship, question mark, in between, question mark, helping young adults navigate the relationship waters. And so true to uh, Raising Kids with Character form, I'm going to back up all the way to our little kids because helping our young adults navigate relationship waters does not begin with uh, the talk at 14 or 12 or whenever that might be taking place, Um, obviously sooner than that nowadays, but nor does it begin with the first date at age 16. Um, And and truly, it doesn't even begin with... um, you know, the first junior high dance or the junior, a junior high crush. It starts uh, many years before that with our little kids. And so that's where I want to begin here. And then I'm going to work my way up a little bit of history about our family, just so that you kind of know, um, where I'm coming from. My husband and I have been married for 35 years this June, and we have a small press, uh, publishing company called Character Inc., in which we uh, publish the materials that I write for language arts, composition, writing, speech, um, just all kinds of things. We have some some newer things, some uh, downloadable products that we're now creating as well. And um, of those, the, the print ones, our anchor products, are character quality language arts and meaningful composition. And then we also uh, do our parenting seminar, Raising Kids with Character, and have our blog, Raising Kids with Character. And then um, I also help people with health and wellness through uh, Plexus products. So we have a lot of different things going on, but we have seven children, ages 17 through 33. And uh, four of our seven children are married. And um, one has been married for 11 years, or maybe that was 12 years, 11 or 12 years. Another for... um, um, eight, another for one and a half, and another for one. So <clears throat> we have uh, 17 through 33. We're graduating our seventh and final uh, child this June from homeschooling. We will have been homeschooling 32 years when we began homeschooling my younger sister when our oldest was one year old. And so um, a little bit just about our kids and their relationships, just so you can see where we're coming from. Uh, 14 years ago, 13 years ago, when uh, Joshua was um, 21, I think, and Lisa was 20, that's his wife, uh, they decided, he decided that he wanted to court her. Now, I say that because that was back, you know, long ago, and that was back when um, most conservative Christian homeschoolers were doing the whole courtship thing, and that was very big. and that was the pattern that we thought we would be following uh, with all of our kids. And it is similar to the pattern that we followed with all of our kids so far, but um, definitely wasn't quite the same as it was then. Uh, but he came to us and wanted to court Lisa. And so then he went to her dad and um, through a series of mishaps then in between there, a little bit of um, uh, not really understanding um exactly what he meant when he went to Lisa's dad. That was kind of comical. But at any rate, then they ended up courting. And then um, a year later, they got married. And um, it's just, it was a glorious thing. And it was really, really amazing. It was very difficult, very challenging, very emotional, because we had no idea what we were doing. 
And Joshua and Lisa were both great kids, and they are just an amazing married couple that I just um, pray that all seven of my kids can have uh, relationships that are that close and that um, loving as they as they have developed through the years. <clears throat> not that our other three do not, because they definitely do. But um, it's just it was just really fun to watch that develop. And it was also very stressful because we had no idea what we were doing. And Joshua has always been our guinea pig and he has always taken it in stride and he's always been a good sport about it. But then um, a couple, four years later, something like that, then uh, a young man came to us and wanted to court Cammy, And so we followed, that would be our third child. And so we followed the same, a similar pattern with that. And um, he, his parents, his dad was... Um, kind of in and out of the picture uh, due to some illness and stuff. And his mom was completely out of the picture. Uh, and so she was in another state and was not in relationship with the children. So um, because of that, we kind of did both sides at that time. So that was really interesting. And um, Joseph, our son-in-law, was just such a good sport about it. And and he wanted to do whatever we wanted him to do. And um, and the just was really, really sweet about it. But it was difficult, too, because we were trying to fulfill, you know, his parental side and her parental side. And um, so that was, it was very sweet, very, very sweet. And so then um, we went on, and and then our next child um, that got married, got married a year and a half ago, and they started courting very young at 18, and um, then got engaged a year and a half later, and then got engaged, and then got married a year later. So, and they had had a previous long friendship. Um, and her mother had died, so that was also, um, you know, a lot of a lot of our family was trying to be um, there for her as well. And that in that uh, setting, she had just lost a wonderful mother um, three years before that, who um, had had brought her up just, uh, and, uh, her she and her dad had brought her up just in wonderful ways. And we're just so grateful for that. But that was another kind of unique situation. <clears throat> and then, um, a year ago or two years ago, our daughter started dating, um, down in South Carolina at a drama ministry that she and her now husband worked with. And, um, and that was different because that was long distance at first and being, it wasn't long distance for them, but it was long distance for us. And that was kind of, uh, a little bit uncomfortable, to, um, to not, not uncomfortable, but just difficult for us because we wanted to be there with her every step of the way. So, um, you know, we were very involved, but it just wasn't the same as being with her all the time. It was, uh, uh, I wasn't there for her shower down there. I was there for a shower up here and I wasn't there for when they moved into their apartment. Um, thankfully he, his family was just, was down there and was just really great about all that. So I say all that to say that we've had those scenarios. Now you'll notice at first I called it courting and that's what I think that's what Joshua and Lisa would call it today. Even if they look back on their relationship, Kimmy and Joseph was pretty much courting. Um, but really as our kids got a little older, they didn't want to call it courting anymore. That was, um, that was something that, um, well, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but that strange to them, strange homeschoolers do do that, call it that. So, um, anyway, cute kids, they are amazing. And so we have three unmarried. Our daughter, who is 29, is not married, and she's been traveling around the country getting different degrees and on the mission field for two years as an AIDS nurse. And um, so uh, she is not married. And then our 21-year-old son and our 17-year-old son are not married. And they, the, two of the, the two youngest ones live at home still working on degrees. So... Um, Anyway, at first, like I said, that we called it courtship, and then later on, the next one, the next two didn't really want to call it courting, and we were fine with that. Um, I hope that you will go back and listen to some of our other podcast episodes and some of our videos and things about being close to your children, about communicating with your children, about uh, staying close to them, about having an open relationship with them where you talk all the time. Um, I'm in the middle of a series called 52 uh, Times to Talk for the 52 weeks of the year. I'm a little behind on that, but I hope that you will come to the blog and subscribe and, and follow that because I will say that everything that we did in our relationships with our kids and that they did in their relationships with their now spouses 
were everything that we did was all based on that those foundational relationships. And so whatever you want to call it and whatever you want it to look like in the future, it can't look like that and it won't be that if you haven't already set the stage with strong relationships with your children, with open communication and so forth. And so I just encourage you, first of all, in that, that it's going to start. So with our littles, first of all, with how your children are going to view those relationships and um, and view their, their future as far as dating, courtship, and, and uh, whether they're dating as a high schooler or if they're waiting to date until they can find somebody that they're going, that, you know, they could potentially marry, whatever it is, all of that starts with, first of all, how they see your relationship. So your relationship, if you're married, your relationship with your spouse is going to be crucial in how they view relationships. Um, you know, my girls would say, we're never going to find anybody because nobody will ever be as good as dad. And um, no, and we will never be able to have the marriage that you and dad have. And so, um, you know, with that, that's a little bit of expectation that maybe is difficult, you know, for them to see around. I know, um, so, uh, you know, that that has been a little bit of an issue. It's like, I, this isn't going to happen because of the expectations that they have uh, after seeing, you know, the husband that their dad was. But at the same time, it also set them up for high expectations so that they would not settle for, uh, you know, a relationship with somebody who was not, you know, up to up to their standards. Next is the words that you use. Um, the words that you use with your children. I said that we used to call it courtship and then we called it dating. Um, but we didn't, none of our children have dated in the sense of dating when we think of uh, modern dating or, or even just dating in general in the last, you know, 50 years or whatever. None of them have dated in that when they turned a certain age, they didn't start going out with other, the opposite sex. Uh, there, there, there have been no, you know, dates like that, especially not through high school. Uh, we our, whether it was called courtship or dating, our foundation was still the same. That is that you're not going to, you should not be in a relationship with somebody romantically if you could not potentially marry that person. Now that's not to say that you, that they never ever sought out anybody because we've had what some people might call failed courtships or what somebody might, might call failed dating relationships. Um, but at the same time, we didn't really see those as failing because they led us to, um, to success eventually, as far as it's not failing. If you're in a courtship relationship, a dating relationship that you think is going to lead to marriage and then it doesn't, it's not failure. If that ends, because you want that to end. <laughs> so, uh, I never, we never really called it, you know, I know back in the day, some people will call it a failed courtship. Um, we never called it that. And I don't like that terminology because of that, because it's not a failed courtship. Um, because you want it to end if it's not supposed to be. So, uh, definitely the words you use and the spirit behind the words. So as I mentioned before, we didn't call it courtship with the last couple of kids, but everybody in our family knows that our kids do not date around in high school and they really don't even date in college unless they see, unless they are in a financial position and a spiritual emotional position to where they could marry somebody. If they are in that position, then they, then they could seek out somebody, you know, and obviously once they're in college, they could choose not to do it this way. They could date all over the place and, and, you know, go out with anybody they want to, but we have that relationship with them so that they don't want to do that. Um, but the, the way that we call dating is they don't date in high school. They don't date in college unless they are in a position to get married. Like our 21 year old, he could definitely get married, even though he's finishing his bachelor's of science and then going on for his master's of nurse practitioner. He's already an RN. He already has a very good income. He is potentially buying a house. Uh, you know, he definitely could get married financially, phys uh, emotionally, spiritually, all of those things. So I wouldn't say that they won't date in college, but when they are ready to say, I could get married financially, spiritually, emotionally, 
then go ahead start start considering who you could who you could marry that would be great and just be sure that that person that you could that you might date or you might ask out or you might spend time with or you might correspond with be sure that that person is also in the same place you know is that person within a year ready to financially spiritually emotionally get married if not then all you're doing is is you know going on dates you know you're not really pursuing a relationship that could end in marriage so dating for the purpose of ending in marriage is what our uh, definition is, whether it's called courtship, whether it's called dating, whatever, that isn't so important. So when I talk about the words that you use with your children, I mean, um, as far as your, how you're going to define it, first of all, and then also how you are going to, what you're going to say as far as, is that your boyfriend? Do you like him? You know, those type of things to, to your little one about other boys and girls. So those words are also things that you're going to want to watch out for during this period of time. Um, also, uh, how you, how they see or how you communicate to them about relationships. You know, do you communicate with them about relationships in a way that lets them know this is our family's protocol. This is our family's method. Our family's method is that we don't date around. We don't have boyfriends and girlfriends and things like that because for us, you know, we told them that, you know, that unless you and that other person could get married, why do you need to single that person out? You know, it's not like you should ever have a physical relationship of any kind, hugging, kissing, anything with, with anybody because that person could be somebody else's spouse in the future and you could be somebody else's spouse in the future. And so, you know, there's no reason to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. There's just, you should just have friends. And so how you view with your little kids relationships, you know, do you, do you, you know, you know, promote that type of thing, the, the boyfriend, girlfriend scene, um, you know, is it important to you that your kids, you know, have somebody who likes them? you know, that your kid, that your child has somebody who likes them. Um, then also how you interact with them concerning males, females, and sexuality with this, you know, your, the way you speak about males, if you're a female and the way you speak about females, if you're a male speaks volumes to your small children. You know, if you are using terms like somebody's hot or somebody's sexy or somebody, um, you know, you know, it's eye candy or whatever, those type of things. Those are, those are terms that will not lay a foundation for strong relationships in the future. For one thing, you are telling your child that you look at other people besides your spouse. For another thing, you're encouraging them to view people through, you know, sexuality, uh, you know, um, physical appearance, especially sexual sexual appearance when you're talking about hotness and things like that. I recently saw this meme, uh, that came through that said, uh, you know, a woman who, a woman who is, uh, serious about keeping her marriage for a lifetime should never have a Pinterest board titled eye candy. And so I, I personally shudder when somebody puts the, um, the, uh, what is that, that they always put the cal the, the gut the men in kilts on their Facebook, you know, the pinup of the month and the men in kilts or the, you know, the, uh, you know, sexy, you know, actor of the month or whatever, you know, dress very lewdly and they put it up and say, you know, this is what I'm looking at today or whatever. And what we're doing, what you're doing when you do that is just really laying this groundwork for your small children uh, that it's okay to, you know, to look at the other sex in that way. Um, I talk a lot in the parenting seminar about expectation explanations. And this is true also in relationships that we found that whatever expectations we had for our family in the term, in our, in the terms of dating other, other, the other opposite sex, interaction with the opposite sex, how, you know, whether they're going to have relationships or not have relationships, whether they're going to, you know, be boyfriend, girlfriend, um, all of that, uh, we found that we could start out with these expectation explanations, uh, 
when our children were very, very young. And that became our family lifestyle. That became our family paradigm. And that was how we operated. And so, you know, the girls didn't whisper about who they wanted to go with in their room at night. And the boys didn't talk in their in their bedrooms uh, when, the you know, they were going to bed at night and the door was shut about which girls were hot and which girls weren't. You know, that wasn't something that they talked about because our expectation explanations were such that that isn't something that we did in our family. And so whatever you start when your children are very young is what is going to carry over into how they view relationships um, when they are older. Okay, I want to move on to uh, junior high, um, middle school, actually elementary and middle school, I mean. I want to move on to elementary and middle school, and um, I want to talk about uh, approaching the subject of boyfriends, girlfriends, or let's just talk about boyfriends and girlfriends. First of all, um, how we view them in general. When we consider our having our child or, or have it, letting our children have boyfriends and girlfriends, and the reason I put this here is because I teach 100 homeschoolers every semester in my cottage classes to test my books. So um, trust me, I know what I'm talking about here. And, <laughs> and um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I'm going with you, I'm going with this person, you know, we're dating, you know, they're 12, but they're dating, you know, that's what they, they call it. Or they say, I'm going out with so-and-so, even though they, they can't go out. And um, so anyway, we just had this, the funniest conversation today in one of my classes. Um, some of my classes, depending on where they're located, the families are, you know, more conservative than others. And this one group was a very conservative group, and they're just so sweet and funny. And they were, they're all 11 to 13 in this particular class. And they were talking about, uh, something came up about this girl in their church who's going out with somebody. And this girl in the class said, well, how can you be going out with them? What are you going to do? You know, is your mom going to drive you? And then we, the kids are just bursting out laughing. They just thought this was so funny. And then it led from that to, um, the whole, uh, uh, Somehow I told the, told them, you know, what are they going to do? Go through McDonald's. And then the mom's going to turn around and say, do you want apple slices or French fries with your happy meal? And the kids just, oh my word, they just got such a kick out of that. But, and, and in part, I will say that talking about these expectation explanations, the reason that they got such a kick out of that is because they have been raised with the expectation explanations that you're not going to have a boyfriend or girlfriend at age 10 or 11 or 12. Um, and so it goes back to that so much. And I know, you know, that those of you who are on here who, and I am going to get to the high school stuff and, and college stuff. And I know that there's someone here who want to hear that, but those of you who have young children, I can't stress enough that whatever you do and whatever you say from two to six, you know, there's a reason why they say 80%, 90% of everything a person is going to learn is learned by age five, you know, because those foundations are so crucial. So when we think just even as adults, when we think about boyfriends and girlfriends, what are we saying when we say that? If we if we do consider, you know, our children having boyfriends or girlfriends, what are we saying with that? Well, we are saying that they are at whatever age we're going to allow it, that we, that they are having a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex and that they are, they kind of belong to that person. You know, we're saying that, that you, you're, you have a relationship with that person and that person is yours and you are that person, so to speak, in a boyfriend-girlfriend scenario. And when you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know, you have that person to validate you, to affirm you, to make you feel good about yourself, to develop a relationship with, to get close to, to potentially have physical contact with. Um, because after all, that's your boyfriend, that's your girlfriend. And, and so, so many of us in the Christian parenting, we go through and we, we're going to allow the boyfriend girlfriend thing, but we're trying to put it off as long as we can, you know, and then we're trying to limit everything as much as we can so that we can, you know, kind of squelch the physical aspects. We can kind of put rain, you know, pull back the reins on those. You know, if we can just hold off until they're 15, until they're 16, until they're 17, you know, then if we can just, you know, uh, you know, bring in boundaries so tightly that they don't have an opportunity to be physical with each other, you know, and so on and so forth. And so what we're, what we're 
what we're saying really is that we don't like the boyfriend-girlfriend situation, but we don't feel like we can do anything about it. And um, so by starting out from the beginning saying, you know, we're not going to have boyfriends and girlfriends. You know, when you are older and you're ready to get married, you're old enough to get married, then, you know, mom and dad will be happy to, you know, help you or to watch you or to talk with you about finding that person, you know, and, and, you know, not that it's going to happen immediately and not that it's going to be the first person that you consider, but, you know, you'll be in a state, in a position to where you will be looking for a spouse, um, at, at that time. And again, that doesn't mean that it all is, is peachy keen and that everything goes perfectly. And the first person that they look at, I mean, with, with Joshua and Lisa, that's how it was. The very first person that, that they considered, uh, for each other was the person that they married. And, you know, but it doesn't always happen that way. And, um, and so I'm not saying that that's the way it's going to happen, but how much less heartache can we, you know, allow it to be brought into our child's life by waiting until they're old enough to have a marriage relationship, to consider engagement and, you know, and that kind of thing before they start pursuing somebody as opposed to trying on different people from age 12 on. So when you think about the, uh, a boyfriend girlfriend situation, you know, you have to ask yourself, what is that? And then, you know, if you do have a child who wasn't raised the way I just described and, and you want to stop the boyfriend girlfriend thing, then a good question to ask that child is what is a boyfriend to you? You know, well, why do you need that person when, when you're not ready to have the, those, that kind of closeness with somebody? So, um, you know, that is, it's really important that we understand what we're saying a boyfriend or girlfriend is in those situations. Then with friendships, we really encouraged our kids, um, you know, especially the younger ones, the older kids, I will just admit that we parented out of fear a lot and we tried to protect them from even many friendships. And, um, you know, we just felt like if, if they were away from people, that would be better. You know, we could raise them better and so on and so forth. And, you know, we kind of let up on that a little bit with our younger kids and they had more friendships. And, um, I think, I think that that's been really, really good. But when you're talking about, um, friendships, you want to be sure that they have, you know, obviously good friends from families, you know, that who are like-minded to yours who are raising their kids in similar ways. If they're in group situations with people who are dating at 12 or having boyfriends and girlfriends once they hit fifth grade or whatever that might be, then I think it's pretty mean to ask your child, you know, you're going to be in all these scenarios, but you're not doing anything like they do. And, and, you know, you can only do that for so long. Seriously, peer pressure is so strong that to think that you're going to put your children in situations and, and every single thing that the peer group is doing, you want to say no to, you know, how long can you say no to every single thing, whether it is dates, boyfriend, girlfriends, R-rated movies, um, certain video games, um, you know, never being at home, you know, a lot of, a lot of group peer groups, they're spent, they spend all their time in sporting events and youth activities and uh, going out with friends and at friends' homes and stuff that they don't have any time at home. But yet you want to say no to all of those things? I think that if you have to look at your friendship situations with your children and you have to say no, 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 we're doing everything different, sorry kids, then that probably means it's time for a new friendship group. Because for one thing... That's, that's not even fair, uh, to your children. And for another thing, it's very difficult to do. And lastly, it's super hard on them. I mean, how, you know, how can you just tell your children no for everything when you are the one who put them in those situations? So, um, I really think that with the friendship groups, it's important to have friends with kids who are, who are doing the same things you're doing. So if you're going to want to say, you know, we're not dating around, we're going to have groups of friends, we're going to have family friends, you know, but we're not going to have boyfriends and girlfriends, then you need to be sure that you find, uh, you know, friend, that your children have friendships who are doing the same things. Um, just a, a few minutes in this, a uh, couple minutes in this space about overnight uh, situations. We did not allow our 
kids to stay overnight places um, until very recently with our 17-year-old. And so um, they didn't do, and, and even that, has, it's, a, it's a situation where um, it's best friends of the family, it's our daughter-in-law's family, and um, they lost their mother and you know, sometimes we stay back and forth for convenience sake. We homeschool them part of the time and so on and so forth. So that's a very unique situation. But um, generally speaking, we didn't do overnights. Now, I don't want to go into that here. I would answer that on another Wondering Wednesday episode, um, which might be actually a pretty good idea because I get asked about it a fair amount of times. But I will say that um, overnights can, especially in these ages, can lead to all kinds of things that, that do not foster the types of things that you're trying to do with boy-girl relationships. Um, I know for me personally, I can remember an overnight when I was in junior high and all of us, we turned off the lights and one of the girls suggested and all of us were supposed to lie on the floor and on the beds and so forth and act like we were with a boyfriend and whatever that was supposed to be because none of us really knew what we were doing. But, you know, we're supposed to be kissing and I, I don't know. At any rate... And um, I know that there have been situations before we started doing this, even with our seven and eight year old girls spending the night places where there were just, there were things about boys, there were things about body parts, there were things about uh, sexuality that were brought up in these situations. And it's not that 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 won't come up in other situations when you're not doing overnights because it could any place. And so again, that goes back to the the friendship groups that are like-minded. But in addition to that, um, whether that will happen or won't happen in other situations, it's way more likely to happen after midnight when the parents are in bed and the girls are, you know, just really too uh, loose, too comfortable with talking about things for a long period of time and just talking about things that are not healthy for these kind of relationships that you're wanting to develop. So, um, I would really, really watch that. I mean, I, I think that that can lead to a lot of trouble. Um, I know situations a lot with boys and pornography, you know, internet pornography, things like that, that just wouldn't have happened if the kids were not away overnight. I just, I really feel like that is not conducive to that. Um, then also just the whole idea of being away from the family too much. And again, this goes back to expectation explanations. I know I sound like a broken record, and this is one reason why we so love to do our parenting workshops, our preschool trainings, those type of things for young parents with young children, because we have the opportunity to help them start off with this, this mindset for your family, the direction you want to take your family in, it starts then speaking the right words, setting the right foundations, giving the right examples and, and handling things as they come up in the way that you're going to want to handle them when they're, when they're older. Um, but the, uh, the, so going back to that, we started out with our children when they were younger saying that we would have, rather than saying you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, as far as, acti- as activities and, and being gone so much, we started out with the one activity per child because we had seven kids. So, you know, if you have fewer children, you might be able to do more activities per child. One activity per child per season and with that benchmark coupled with the benchmark that we would be home together three or four evenings a week out of seven evenings. So three or four evenings a week, we would be home all together up until the children were 16. 16 to 18, they started doing college classes. They started working jobs. They started doing ministries and so on. And, you know, we really considered them more adults, but that's another topic for another time. But um, at any rate, whatever you want it to be, set it up and start it when your children are little. No, what does that mean? That means that you are going to have to give up your things. I know many, many parents who would never give up three or four evenings a week to be at home with their kids. They just wouldn't. They like to go places. They like to exercise. They like to watch television. They like to shop. They like to go out with friends. You know, me personally, I love to go ballroom dancing. But if that cut us off uh, from our number of times with our children, Uh, 10 years ago, we just didn't do it because our priority was being with our children three or four evenings a week. Now, this has so much to do 
with these boy, boy girl relationships. I can't even tell you because as you're together and you're living life and you're eating meals in the evenings together and you're having family worship, or you're just having a discussion, maybe just read a Bible verse and talk about it. You do your thorns and roses around the table, your highs and lows, whatever you want to call it. And you are just in there. You are right in there with in your children's hearts, and you know what's going on. You're talking, you're communicating, and everything comes out during those times. And so that is just one of the best ways. This time together as a family at home is one of the very best ways to keep your finger on the pulse of your family, to know exactly what is happening with your children, with friendships, with relationships, with uh, boy, with other sex, with the opposite sex. Okay, and finally, I want to move into high school and then a little bit about college. Um, I just talked in the elementary middle school about not being away from the family too much um, and then about talking. And just with that, uh, if you've approached this from the beginning as not as we're trying to keep you away from other people and you're not going to be able to be with other people, but rather we want to be together as a family um, and I have some links at the bottom of the page for Family Unity, Recipe for Rebellion, um, Staying Close During Difficult Times, just some different things like that that I think will be of a help to you in this. Then I think if you approach it in that way, I don't, don't approach it in a way that um, is negative or confrontational, you know, that we're going to keep you away from people because those people are bad, but rather we want to be with you. And, and I, we found that when we approached our children in that way, that, no, we, we want you to stay home, you know, at least Friday and Sunday night this weekend. You know, you can do something with friends Saturday or whatever. That when we approached it at, we're doing this because we want to be with you. We're going to give up our time. We want to be together. And then be together. You know, so a lot of times people keep their kids at home. I'm going to keep you from doing bad things. I'm keep you from bad people, that type of thing. But then they're not offering them anything else. And so, um, A, offer them something else, but even more importantly, B, start from the, the earliest ages with the mindset of, we're staying home as a family because we want to be together. We want to be with you. We love you. We want to be with you. We think that you are awesome, and we want to spend our Friday night with you. And, um, you know, I've heard of families doing really cool things where, you know, Friday family or whatever, you know, where they always make pizzas or they always make brownies or they always, you know, alternate choosing movies or whatever. And I will just say, you know, a little bit on, on about finances at this time. We spent a lot more money on family times, family experiences and things than we did things. And uh, it is another way of prioritizing, another way that we prioritized our children over what we wanted was in the area of finances by saying, you know, we're going to go to a, a movie, you know, we're going to rent a movie, we're going to order pizza, we're going to buy pizza ingredients and make them, but we're not going to buy mom a $60 purse. We're not going to buy a $2,000 sofa. We're going to go for the weekend to the museums in Chicago and put that $2,000 towards family experiences. And we just found all any time we can show our children with our time, our money, our energy, our emotional um, output, our spiritual input into their lives, that we could show them that they were more of a priority than something else that we might want, or maybe even that they saw other parents getting or wanting or having, that it went a long way in building our relationships with our children. So stay close. Now, when they get into high school, you know, if you've already done this, the heartstrings are going to be tied so tightly that um, you will you will know. I mean, with our kids, we always knew when something was wrong, when something was going on. I think about two years ago, no, more like seven, he was 17, so it must have been three or four years ago. Um, our son was uh, driving home from something, and uh, he called to say, you know, I'm on my way. And um, he is our sixth child, and uh, and he does wear his, his emotions on his sleeve. But I was on the phone to him. I wasn't even. I didn't even see him face to face. And um, you know, he said, "I'm on my way." Da, 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 da. I said, "What's wrong? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing." Josiah, I know you, and I know something's wrong. What's wrong? And he just said, "How do you always do that?" And I said, "What?" He goes, "How do you always know?" What is in my heart? <laughs> 
and this was via phone, you know, cell phone. So, um, and it is that, that knowing what is in their hearts, that staying close so that you know what's going on with them that will really, really help them navigating these waters of relationships. Now, if you have made it through, you know, elementary and middle school and you're, you know, in junior high, you're, you know, in high school, by this time, they're probably going to be way more confident in themselves and in your family's decision if you have decided not to pursue boyfriend-girlfriend relationships. Now, again, if you have these relationships with other peers, uh, friends, who also are doing the same thing, it's not going to be like, well, I don't have a date and everybody else does. You know, you, you're really going to remedy a lot of that with that. Um, I will say that... Uh, because relationships can have, boyfriends and girlfriends can have very uh, positive self-esteem moments to them. Then they can have extremely low self-esteem moments to them. Um, but a lot of times kids only see the high, you know. Not all kids. Some of my kids were like, well, I don't want to do that. Look how their heart's getting broken. You know, look how mean they, he is to her. Or look how, you know, how... Uh, you know, she's wasting her high school years on somebody who she's not even going to marry. You know, they could say some of that stuff and they could see it clearly, but other kids, not so much. And so you want to be sure that they are able to see the highs and the lows in those relationships because otherwise, you know, they're just like, well, I'm the only one without a, a boyfriend and, you know, she's having so much fun and so on and so forth. And um, I think that that as far as their emotional health, that it's better without those hot, that, you know, that, you know, that too much closeness and then that real, you know, aching heart, you know, too much closeness, aching heart, you know, that serial type of, uh, the serial types of relationships. But at the same time, you have to realize that there are going to be aching hearts because people around them are in relationships. And so you want to be sure to be very sensitive to that. And that is where your family times and your one-on-one -on -one times, and I have so many things at the blog about, you know, developing your relationships one-on-one. -on -one. I have uh, kids affirmation cards at the, at the store. I have keep kids close cards for dates, all kinds of things, because keeping our kids close was so important to us. But you want to be very sensitive uh, as you're staying close to them to all those emotions that they're having because they're, if they're not dating. Okay. Now, um, this doesn't really, you know, this podcast episode, obviously he's not talking about, you know, the parameters in dating and so forth. Um, just because that isn't, that isn't where we came from. Uh, you know, we, I have a, a blog post at the bottom about helping your son be a good boyfriend. And it's a really super cute one about our next to the last marriage that we had a year and a half ago. And, um, you know, that, that could be of some help to you if you are letting kids date. Um, but I will say if you are letting kids date, don't, uh, don't, um, think that the part about staying close is not important. It might even be more important because you're going to need to be there for all the broken hearts that are going to happen. Just really stay close, um, in that scenario. Group activities, really encourage group activities you know, spend the money, spend the time, spend the effort it takes for your kids to have kids at your house, for, you know, you to provide food, for you to be around, you know, and be there uh, with them. Um, but really, really encourage group activities. Um, also, uh, pay close attention to your kids. Again, when you're close, you'll be able to notice this when there's too much attention being given to one person of the opposite sex. Uh, it, you know, they might have intentions of not, you know, getting in a relationship if that's been your family's, you know, um, uh, guideline or I, won't, I hesitate to say rule because uh, hopefully it's a family, um, you know, your family's approach rather than a rule. But, uh, but that doesn't mean that their hearts can't still be stolen away, you know, by somebody else. And it won't necessarily always be a bad person. It could be somebody who also is struggling to not give their heart away too early. And so, you know, there are a lot of analogies out there. We use them with our kids, you know, how, 
you know, once you have a paper heart and you tear off a piece of it and you give that to somebody and you tear off another piece and you give that to somebody else and you tear off another piece and you give that to somebody else. And then what you have left is what you have to take into marriage. These kind of conversations are super important during the high school years because, um, you know, they need to see, yes, you feel old enough. You feel like you're 15, you're 16, you're old enough for a relationship, but why? Why do you want a boyfriend? Why do you want a girlfriend? You, you don't want to get physically close to somebody because you could be kissing somebody else's spouse and, you're, and somebody else is kissing you and you're going to marry somebody else more than likely. Not everybody has, um, you know, a 14-year-old boyfriend like I did and then married them, right? And our kids need to realize that that's not the norm at all. You know, why do you want, if, you, if it's for companion's sake, then let's work on your friendships. Let's work on these group activities. Let's work on our family relationships. Let's work on our family's relationships with other families. And again, that takes work and time from the parent, that you're going to invite families in, that you're going to spend time with other families, that you're going to have kids in to your, to your home. Now, a lot of people use sports, music, drama, speech, debate, basketball, youth group, um, you know, Bible quizzing, all of these activities to keep their kids busy. And there's nothing wrong with that uh, per se, but you don't want all of those activities that you're trying to keep your children busy with to take the place of your relationship with them because they take up way too much time if you do too many of them or to, um, just, to just keep your child from not facing, you know, those decisions. So, you know, don't keep your child so busy that yeah, maybe it does keep him out of trouble, but you want to be sure that, that he's internalized, that these things are his, that he's not just so, you know, overwhelmed with activity that he doesn't have time to really, to really, you know, see what he wants to do and to really make those decisions for himself. Planning for the future, you know, letting them see the big picture. If you have uh, family relationships with other people who are in marriages that are good, strong marriages who did not date around. You want to capitalize on those. Those are opportunities to really let your child see that when you don't give your heart away five, six, seven, eight, twelve times from age 12 to, to 20, you know, these are the good things that you can have in your life eventually. Um, so those are all, you know, some things to consider in high school. When you're moving into college, you know, if your children are moving away, you know, they may not have internalized what your family values are. And uh, hopefully they have. But if they haven't, you know, and, you're, and they are moving away, then you need to be prepared for whatever happens because you hopefully have helped him internalize those prior to this. And yes, you know, they hopefully will develop friendship groups and so forth at college. Now, I will just say that my husband and I really advocate keeping kids at home for one or two more years after high school. Um, all of our kids have done this except for one who went to a drama ministry right away. And uh, it was a very protected environment, much different than a, a college where there are way too many, um, way too many uh, opportunities and I don't know, too much freedom. And uh, secondly, one who went to a testing center, that was all, that was way, that was, they, th that testing center was even more strict than we were. And that was, again, the first, that was our first child and it was out of fear. So I don't, I don't recommend, you know, sending them places out of fear like we did then. Um, but what, the years that we feel that children need their parents even the most are 16 to 20. And 16 to 20, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, those are the years that we often send them away. And so, um, you know, feel free to message me or ask me more about this. But I really feel like if you can keep your kids home until 19 or 20, um, you're going to have such a better foundation. And you're going to financially be better off. And you're going to maybe get those general education credits out of the way. Uh, he will know more what he wants to do for the future. Just, just some little things that we have found. But if they do go away, you want to be sure that you have close communication with them. And if they have internalized, you know, your family's goals, then how are they going, your family's uh, uh, values, then how are they going to, you know, play, how's that going to play out in college? Discussing that if they're gone, if they're gone away. You know, how are they going to interact with the opposite sex? You know, 
you know, are they going to do groups? And then what if somebody wants to be their, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, and, you know, they know they're not ready for marriage. Those type of things are things that you really want to talk about. Also, you know, is your child ready for a relationship? You know, some children can have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, in ninth grade in college, I mean, freshman year of college, and then have that all the way through for four years and then get married and everything's fine. Um, you know, is your child ready to do that? Or do you, you know, still want to stay if you already had this other, if you've already adopted this other way until you're ready to get married approach? And then how's that going to look like on a college campus? So those are things that you definitely need to discuss. For us, our kids were usually here and, um, you know, we just kept right on continuing with the same things that we were doing um, as far as, you know, encouraging group situation things, lots of work. Our kids always had to work a lot um, because we did have seven children. We raised them primarily in one income, at least for the first 25 years. And so um, that all, you know, made it such that they were busy with work too. So that helped also. So there are so many things to think about in the dating courtship in between situations here. Um, but I think that the, the, the major takeaways from this really are to develop your own family's standards and philosophy and approach to this and to communicate that, teach that and live that from the earliest, earliest ages and to keep the lines of communication so open that you are able to really stay close, to keep your finger on the pulse of your family, to keep in your child's heart so you know what's happening and you know all the hurts and ups and downs and you can help them through those times and um, to uh, you know help them see the big picture, which is a, a marriage eventually of you know two strong Christian people who have not been beaten up through the years by failed relationships over and over and over again and premature closeness and premature physical closeness that really are not strong uh, foundations for marriage. So anyway, that is all I have to say today, but I am so grateful uh, that you joined me and that you stayed this long if you did. And um, I'm open to questions. I'd love to have some more. We're doing some videos as well as some audios. So send me those questions and um, share this with other people if you like it uh, so that we can uh, spread the news far and wide about uh, parenting with a relational approach to parenting and raising kids with character. This has been Donna Reish, Character Inc., Raising Kids with Character, and Plexus to Feel Great. Thank you for joining me.